I also see here 24 seats and 24 elders. These are representatives of the people of God. They may represent the 12 tribes of the Old Testament, the 12 of the New, and so you have the meeting of all the redeemed spoken of here in this verse 4. You'll notice that they also encircle the throne. Every one of them are inward-looking toward the king and toward the throne. They wear crowns. These are victors. These are they that have came out of great tribulation, washed their robes in white by the blood of the Lamb. They are overcomers. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak, and today we're again returning to Revelation chapter 4 to a sight of the Lord revealed upon His throne with the living creatures, the angels, the elders, the church gathered around, praising Him day and night. That's our main message today. We also have a hymn, uh, but firstly we begin with Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his holy temple. This is the psalm of the fainting man. The psalm 25, we noted that it was the psalm that was inspired, the teachable man. And Psalm 26 was the psalm of the innocent man. Well, here is the psalm of the fainting man. Verse 13 says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so we have here the Christian's remedy to fainting. We notice some of the causes of fainting. We have firstly in verse 2, the wicked, when the wicked even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh. And no doubt every Christian will find that there will be those who turn to be their enemies in this sinful world. And then in verse 4, uh, there is also, you notice another reason for fainting, is that the psalmist was shut out of the house of worship. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. This is, is a grief to God's children when they are not engaged in worship, when for some reason they're out of fellowship, and this causes us to faint. Another reason, verse 10, is to be away from home and family. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will lift me up. And family strife, family problems, family struggles is a reason that causes us to faint. It hits us 
sort of below the belt. The place that should be our source of encouragement and strength turns to be raw and hurtful uh, upon us. But praise God for the remedies. Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. And you will see here that faith is the uh, hope of the Christian. We are anchored through this resolution. Unless I had believed, and it is by that power of faith that every Christian is able to uh, find strength and hope in the midst of trouble. Now, the object of our faith is the goodness of the Lord. And uh, God is good. And even in this world, in the midst of trial and trouble, God has not changed. And unless we had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, this is the hope of this whole psalm, that in the land of the living, God has purposes of good for us here in this world as well as in heaven. And I must say that this psalm has often been a great tonic to my own heart in times of need, that the Lord is my strength. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we are here now in the land of the living, and we claim this promise, and we look to it by faith. So let's bow in prayer and plead the promise today. Dear God, we thank Thee that we may find our faith in the goodness of the Lord, even in the hour of opposition. And I pray that you will encourage your people today through this wonderful statement of David. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I just pray that you will give faith to those that may feel their weakness and their temerity, that they may be strong in the Lord and lifted up to lay hold upon the promises and go through with God today. May you quicken our step. May you give us joy and heart. May you give us grace to trust the Lord, no matter what, how heavy and dark the sky may be, but to know that above that cloud there is a beaming, shining sun, and the Lord is beaming upon us. Your love has not changed. Your favor has not wavered. And so we continue to put our trust in thy great name. So come and help us today. Bless your word. Lord, grant that you will give us a sight of the glory of our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we're turning to Revelation 4, to that scene of the Lord seated upon the throne. Now, the Father is on this throne. You'll know he is described here in verse 2, and one sat on the throne. And he, and he sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. Now, while one sat on the throne, let's never forget the Trinity. In Revelation 22, we read of God and the Lamb on the throne. And of course, the work of God, the Holy Spirit, is centered there as well as he goes forth. He's described here as Jasper, a diamond. Jasper, of course, is brilliant. The sardine is, well, it's extremely expensive. And here is attributed to God 
that exquisite character. Now, just like a diamond, it has many facets, many sides to it, according to the cut. Likewise, in nature, there are many attributes. He's holy. He's just. He's powerful. He's merciful. He's gracious. And when you come to look unto God, you must see him in all of these facets. And yet he's the one that counts the very hairs on our heads, knowing what a comfort to John and the Isle of Patmos. We read in many of the churches that we studied where the Lord said to the, the minister of the church, I know thy works. And the Lord knew John, and the Lord has all knowledge of his church at all times. It's a comfort to God's people, but it's a great terror to the wicked and rebellious. This God seated on a throne, ruling in sovereign power. He can't be thwarted. You can't fight against God and succeed. One day all men will bow the knee, and they will give glory to the name of Jesus. Yes, you will be a believer one day. You will pray one day. You will seek him one day. But for the unsaved who die without Christ, it will be too late. You will seek him. You acknowledge him just as the devils believe and tremble. And recognize his authority. Jesus met with demons. They said, why art thou come before thy time? We know who you are. There's no atheists in hell. No atheists among the demons. And while you may claim to be an unbeliever today and deny these things, you will believe and you will bow the knee. Many here today, and you have bowed the knee, you have trusted the Lord Jesus as your own Savior. Let me tell you, you'll not be disappointed. What you have known and trusted and believed about your Lord, you will not be disappointed on that great day when you are called up hither into the very prince of your king. When you are called to reign with him as you will. Every promise, every testimony, you will be like the queen of Sheba who will say the half has never yet been told. Another eight that is before us here in verse 3 is a rainbow round about the throne. Now, this is a very special rainbow, like an emerald. It's a living, a rainbow. Now, notice that it's all around the throne. There's not a break. There's not an opening in the rainbow. And this rainbow is the advertisement of God's mercy. That was God's covenant to Noah. He will never again judge the world by a flood. And have you ever noticed that whenever you see a rainbow in the sky, the storm is already over? The storm is over. The dark, dark clouds are breaking up. The sunlight is shining through. And it's the light of those new rays of the sun that create the, the very scene, the rainbow in the sky. 
For the Christian, when we see that rainbow, we can say, storm is over. Because my Lord Jesus went to the cross, and He endured the wrath of God in my place. He has purchased peace for me. And as He sits with His Father on that throne, encircling that throne without a breath, in every direction, and all, all the commands, and all the decrees of God, they are bathed in mercy for me and for every one of us. And if you're a Christian today, you rejoice in that rainbow, speaking of the mercy of God. As we sang in that hymn today, in the beloved God's marvelous grace, God calls me to dwell in this wonderful place. God sees my Savior, then He sees me. The storm is over for the Christian. And isn't it great to know that this Bible teaches us that there's not one drop of judgment that will fall on the head of a Christian? Not one condemnation. Who shall lay any charge to God's elect? It is Christ that died. This is the wonderful liberty, the assurances, the blessedness of the Christian. If you're not saved today, if you're not a Christian, I would plead with you to run to the mercy of God. This is the day of mercy. This is the way of opportunity to, to turn to Him. Now is the day of salvation. Do not wait until the storm appears and you're under the black clouds of God's wrath and condemnation and hell is right before you. Do not wait till that hour. But now run, run, run to the very source of mercy. I also see here 24 seats and 24 heirs. These are representatives of the people of God. They may represent the 12 tribes of the Old Testament, the 12 of new, and so you have the meeting of all the redeemed spoken of here in this verse 4. You'll notice that they also encircle the throne. Every one of them are inward looking toward the king and toward the throne. They wear crowns. These are victors. These are they that have came out of great tribulation, washed their robes in white by the blood of the Lamb. They are overcomers. And they there seated. Notice that too. They're seated. They're at rest. And so the believer can be at rest with God. And I say, God gives you to reign with Christ. That will be your lot. That will be your portion one day. If we suffer, we shall also reign together with Him. Now, there's a lot of people who says, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to be mocked. I don't want to be chaffed. I don't want to be ostracized. I want the good life of the world. I want the, the theme and the glitter of the world. I don't want to be a Christian. I won't want to take up the cross and be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Well, you'll never have a crown. You'll never be in heaven to enjoy reigning with Him. 
these 24 elders, they, they make me jealous. They fill my heart with envy. There they are, overcomers. They're in a, in a blessed arrangement around the throne of God. And this is the scene to make every Christian homesick. I want to be there. I want to be in that blessed place where sin is no more. And within the heart of every born-again Christian, this gives us a real dose of nostalgia. Heaven, that's where I belong. That's my people. That's my Redeemer. That's what thrills my heart. If you read this issue of The Current, you'll notice that Reverend Wagner has an editorial on nostalgia and how it can be detrimental to the Christian. We put on our glasses and we think of the good old days, the, day, the days of youth when we were carefree, the days when we were setting out and all seemed so exciting, and when we were newly saved and we had the joy but little of the burden of being servants of God. Nostalgia! That could depress you if you're not careful. But this is the antidote. A scene, a sight of heaven to delight in the home that the Lord has for us. I'm always reminded of going on trips with kids. You're hardly down the road a mile and they ask, are, you, are we there yet? That ought to be the desire of Christians. Are we there yet? Why is it taking so long? How much further? That's the longing that is in the heart of the believer who has seen something of the sights of John. Come up hither. Stop your driveling over the empty cisterns of this world. Come up hither. Ponder the sights, the scenes, the glories of your true home. And let us worship the King. Are we done yet? No, in this chapter you'll know there are seven lamps. There's the sea of glass and there are the four beasts. Do you hear the call of God to enjoy all of these things? This is better than any panorama of earth. Earth is only judgment. This paradise. But I want to move to my third point here today. This is a call to engage in heavenly worship. We noted that this is spiritual activity. John was in the spirit. We learn of these four beasts in verse 8, and the four beasts which had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. This is spiritual activity. Crying ceaselessly, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. You'll notice the elders take a very humble posture. When those four beasts are living, begin their worship, the elders fall down, face to the ground, prostrate, looking toward their king, giving all honor to him. We learn, too, that they take off their crowns and they present those crowns before the throne. That's the end of verse 10. 
Then they burst into song. Thou art worthy. Do we want the open heaven in our lives? Do we want the blessing of Ezekiel and our Lord and Stephen and John? Do we want to have this sense that heaven has come down to us, that we are rising higher and nearer to this holy call of living in communion with our Lord? Then we must engage in this holy worship. Let us pattern and model our worship as they do in heaven. The way to have heaven on earth is to begin imitating the heavenly worship of above. Let's call in the angels. Let's call in the redeemed. Let's call in the worshipers that walk in white. And let us honor the Lord in our walk and our worship. Come up hither. Don't follow the world. Leave it, leave it behind. They'll break your heart. It'll be bitter disappointment, filled with emptiness. But I assure you, every hour you spend in your Christian life in real communion, prayer and devotion, and living in communion, Lord, you'll never regret. You'll not regret in your Christian life on earth and in heaven. You will say those were days of preparation. Those were days of profit when we worship the King. I'm glad today that we're in a church where we want biblical worship. Is it perfect? Is it everything that God wants? Is there not room for improvement? Is there not need for greater energy and zeal and spiritual mindedness when we come into the presence of God? Yes, we need all of these things, but our model is the very role of the heavenly worship. We don't want the Elvis Presley so-called spiritual activity of the world. We want the heavenly. That's what we're striving for. And as we do, we'll be obeying the call, come up hither. Let me ask you in close, will you be there? Will you be there in that heavenly scene, reigning with Christ? Of course, if you're saying today that you won't forsake the world, you will not come and bow his feet, that you will not call him worthy of your worship, worthy of your whole life, worthy of your honor and praise, worthy of your heart. He to you today is not worthy. How will you ever sing worthy in glory? Do not fool yourself. You talk with the world, love the world, serve the world, make bricks for your little pharaoh and your pleasure cities. You're called to come up hither, leave the world, and follow Christ. Serve him, worship him, suffer him, and then one day you will reign with him. Come up hither. I pray today the Lord will apply this to your heart. What a great chapter. I've skimmed the surface. I've taken this and that, but I, I pray that in your heart that the, 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 the drama of the 
curtains opening up, and those scenes of the glory of the Son of God, and of the angels and the elders and the living creatures giving praise to him, singing, Worthy, worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. I pray that that sight, that scene, will fill your heart not only this service, but forever. And ah, the blessed joy of entering in for itself when you're called away from this world, and you will, when you must leave down this earthly life, I pray that this will be the scene that you will enjoy as a living Christian, one who has suffered for Christ and found him worthy. May the Lord sports to you. Encourage the saint. Never they save your soul. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak today, and I hope that you've been encouraged by this view of the Lord seated upon his throne in glory. And of course, the great need is that we be prepared to sit with him. Therefore, we need to be saved, redeemed, and washed in the precious blood. We need to be born again and brought into God's family. I trust that you will give your heart to the Lord, surrender to him, make him the king of your life today, because every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father, but you need to bow now that you may be with him on that day and he will be your advocate, not your judge, but your advocate. And I trust you will rejoice in the gospel and delight in the Lord. Thank you for listening to the program. Stay tuned now for our closing announcements. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music